up for you will be in Mark chapter 1. How about a show of hands if you were not expecting to sing I Exalt Thee tonight? Anyway, Yeah. A welcome, an old friend, you know, it's like bumping into an old friend. Um, thanks, uh, thanks to Chase for leading us and challenging us in that way. We kind of dove right in the deep end tonight, so if you're here for the first time, thanks for being with us. Um, we are in Mark chapter 1. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 1 for a while. And uh, so, you know, there's a, a, few, different, a few different ways that, that churches structure their teaching times and preaching and stuff. And uh, here at Living Hope, done it a number of different ways over the years. And uh, I always just kind of approach it as just asking God, what, like, what's next? And, you know, we kind of get into a series or, you know, several Sundays kind of like circling around a certain topic or a certain thing that either needs to be addressed, you know, or something that folks have been asking to learn more about, talk more about. Sometimes it's the church calendar uh, that kind of dictates that a little bit. And then there are times when, when you'll just, you'll get into a book of the Bible and you'll just go verse by verse through a whole book. And it may take a while to do that. And so that's, you know, been the, the case a few times over the years here as well. And so this is going to begin a series that I don't really know how long it's going to take for us to get all the way through it. Uh, we will we'll hit pause every now and then whenever the church calendar or the church, like our church needs, you know, might pop up and we might need to like spend some time on something else for a little while and then come back to it. But we're going to try to get all the way through the book of Mark between now and when Jesus comes back. So uh, that's sort of the goal, and I don't know how long it'll take us, but I've, I've never taught verse by verse through a gospel. I've done other books before, but never something like this. And I think that, that the last few weeks with community groups, just looking at some of this, just these beautiful stories of Jesus and just letting the story like just speak to us when, when you're sitting in a room full of people has been really good. And uh, this week, um, you, I, you may have heard from your community group leader by now, uh, we're going to kind of do a different thing with our small groups this week where there's just going to be a story uh, that everyone reads ahead of time. And you just the goal would be for everyone to bring one question with them, whether uh, it's something you want to hear the whole group uh, answer, something that you found challenging, an observation that maybe you just have a question about that you're un- uncertain of. And so rather than all the groups getting a set list of questions that, that we all do together, this week all the discussion will just come from our own observations of the Bible. And uh, just to try to engage the text a little bit differently, approach the Bible a little bit differently, some groups are probably going to love it, and some groups you're going to feel like you didn't do your homework, you know, so uh, don't feel weird and don't go to group just because you maybe don't have a question. But just kind of looking for ways for us to get more and more confident in, in engaging the scriptures. And the, the Bible is this like amazing, amazing uh, book, this collection of documents. Um, and it's, of, of course, there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with the Bible and people like to pick it apart about different things. And, um, you know, as Christians, we hold, we hold to this book. You know, like this is not, this is not just any other book. Uh, you may have a bunch of books on your shelves, but this one is not like the other ones. 
Uh, this book is alive because the Spirit of God, uh, like, like God wrote the book, and he used a bunch of different, I mean, like over 40 different authors to write it. Uh, it took place over like 1,500 years. There's multiple languages going on here, different like countries and cultural things. And um, yet we have this one amazing theme of this Redeemer who has come to us. And so this book is not like any other book on your shelf for that reason, but also because the Spirit of God uh, is the only way we're able to really understand what's going on here. Like he, he makes this book alive to us. And when we're reading it and we're studying it and we're asking questions and uh, in preaching or having it read over us or sung over us, there's something different when it comes from the Bible than any other book that's out there. And so God wants to use this book to shape us and to mold us, to, uh, to help us grow and mature, to help us to not get so caught up in our own opinions and cultural things and whatever that we, that we lose track of this rule this standard, this amazing gift that he's given us. And uh, to be holding the Bible is, is a, a gift of grace in and of itself. And so as we kind of get into the book of Mark together for the next little while, I would love it if, um, if, if perhaps like it became like bringing a paper Bible to church or to community group will become something that, that it's so easy, and this is nothing against like phones, like Bible apps are amazing and they're awesome and I you know, have them and use them and this is not about that, so don't feel weird if you're about to scroll through the text, it's fine. Um, but isn't it easy sometimes for your Bible app to be next to all these other apps to do all these things and for it to maybe kind of get lost in the shuffle, like a book can get lost in the shuffle on the shelf, um, that the scriptures could be something that, that we just continue to love more and more and more as we walk with the Lord. And sometimes it's easy to get intimidated by them, you know, and uh, especially when preachers get up and they start talking about Hebrew this and Greek that and Jewish culture this, and you probably wouldn't notice this unless you did a deep exegetical study of the text like I did, you know, some of those kind of things. And, and it can create this distance sometimes between, the, the, between the, the pulpit and the pew to where there's this kind of understanding that, um, not, not an understanding, there's like this feeling that the Bible can only, it's only so attainable for like all of us that you kind of have to go to school to be able to, to like actually like handle the word and know what it is, you know. Um, you want your surgeon to go to school. Uh, you don't have to go to school in order to be able to sit down with the Bible, open it up, and have the spirit of this God who is alive come through this text and speak to you and teach you and shape you and your understanding of, of that, of even when I say the word speak, I know sometimes that's a little bit confusing because it, we, we're expecting like audible things to be able to hear him or, um, you know, or, or feel him somehow. It's like this emotional thing. And um, I think that, that that in and of itself is like a whole sermon, a whole sermon series, a whole t- like conversation that just keeps going. Um, but let me just, just kind of say this before, we, before I go any further. I believe that According to the Bible, each of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. So wonderfully, we understand. Fearfully, uh, that, that can kind of get lost in there a little bit. And a part of you being fearfully made is that like, you were made in the image of your God. Like you are uh, like, perfectly made. 
that you are respect, like you're respected by God because you're made in his image and that you are respected by other people because you're made in his image and you are to respect other people because they're made in his image. That there's this, this dignity about humanity that we all carry. And for me to be fearfully and wonderfully made by my creator means that my creator knows exactly how to communicate with me and your creator knows exactly how to communicate with you. And... Um, While there is some common ground between us in terms of how God communicates with us, there's also a uniqueness because there's no one like me and there's no one like you. And so much of our journey together as, as believers is we're following after Jesus, our, our teacher, our rabbi. We're, we're becoming like him more and more. He's freed us from sin and freed us so that we can love and be loved and know him and be known by him and love one another and be known by one another. And some of that involves us learning over time how God communicates with us, you know, like how, how God gets the point across. And there are some people who, um, who hear, like, who feel like God's leading, leads them through this, this, and this, and other people, maybe it's over here, this, this, and this. And, and sometimes, you know, it's easy to be envious of the way that other people, you know, hear from God. Um, there are certain things that when I hear people talk about it, I really, like, wish that I heard from God like that, you know. Uh, I, love, I love the fact that, that there are people in this room and people that are not in this room that I know who they'll just have visions sometimes. I think that's awesome. I had one vision one time and I was so confused by it that I just like put it in a box and never went back to it. Like it just was, it was just strange to me. To the point where I'm not even sure it was a vision, but I think it might, it might be. One day maybe I'll ask him and he'll tell me, but uh, there are people who regularly have visions. I think that's amazing. There are people who have prophetic words. You know, they'll come to you and they'll say, hey, God gave me this word of encouragement for you. And they'll say it to you and you're completely blessed by it, you know. Um, and then it's like, well, how come I don't ever get word for people? I want to get word for somebody. I've had words spoken to me before that, like, I mean, they marked me. They were significant things. And some of them, I'm, I'm still waiting for them to, like, happen, you know, and come true or trying to understand it. But I remember, I mean, verbatim what was told to me. But I don't, I don't have visions like that. I don't, I don't have prophetic words for people. Um, sometimes people will say, hey, this verse, I was reading this verse today, and God just really impressed upon me to send it to you. And I'm like, that's really cool. I've never been reading something and said, you need to, you need to copy and paste that and send that to this person right now. You know, never had that happen. Um, and isn't it beautiful that God, having created each of us, like knows exactly what we need? He knows how to, get it, how to get his point across to us. He knows exactly how to speak to you. And by speak, I can mean a whole bunch of things, you know. It's just about communication and God wanting, like really wanting that relationship with us. And, and so a part of the journey for you and for me is to like get to where we're comfortable, like in our own fearful, fearfully and wonderful madeness. You know, to, to really get to where you're like, no, this is, this is how I'm put together. This is how I'm built uh, most of the time, this is how God like this is how God communicates with me, and it's awesome that He communicates with you that way, and you that way, and you that way, and you that way, and that's really cool. And as we walk with Him more and more, perhaps we'll know what it means to be His one of His sheep and to know His voice, and to really embrace the diversity of uh, of the body of Christ. And it, like, isn't it awesome that our God can be so personal? He can know exactly how to get his point across to you, and yet 
we can sing one song, I exalt thee, and also get the point across, you know, in one foul swoop. Um, so his, his interactions with us are, they vary person to person. And then there's some like, some really common things. And the Bible is one of those common things that for every one of us, like God, like speaking to us through the word is something that we are all, like that is something that is not for certain personality types or certain spiritual gifts or whatever, that that is for all of us. And so perhaps the word speak, you know, can I kind of become complicated sometimes. Like maybe, maybe there's a better word, but I hope that you understand kind of what I'm saying is that we should be able to open the Bible and God get through to us through this. Um, so what I'd like to do is I want to I offer two questions that you can um, bring before God as you open up the Bible. And every single time, no matter where you are in the Bible, you can ask these questions these can be in the front part of your mind, and then you read it, and you can see what God has for you. So the first question is, um, what, do you want, what do you want me to know? The second question is, what do you want me to do? That in every passage that we come across in the Bible, there are things that God wants us to know, and there are things that God wants us to do. Now, perhaps for your personality type, that may be a, a question, um, like maybe phrasing it that way is not very helpful. So maybe for you, you would want to say, um, instead of it being like, God, what do you want me to know? Maybe you just understand, okay, God wants me to know something from this passage, and I want to know what he wants me to know. Like, why is this in front of me? Why, through all those authors and all those years and all those councils of church people, why, why did this passage make the cut, you know? Like, why is this important for us to know? And so maybe, maybe it's helpful for you to ask a question to him. Maybe it's just helpful for you to ask a question to yourself. So maybe it's, God, what do, you, what, do you, you, what do you want me to know? Or maybe it's just, what does God want me to know from this passage? But in every text you come across, there, there are things that he's wanting to communicate. Um, sometimes it's, it's, it's things about him, his personality, his like the way the way that he works, things about his character, things um, there's all kinds of things about him. It could be it could be something about you that he wants you to know. It could be something about sin. It could be something about the kingdom. It could be something about the world. It could be something about history and how he has uh, shaped human history. It, it, it could be uh, he wants you to know that this was the right way that this person did this in the Bible, or this was the wrong way that this person did this in the Bible, or. Um, it could be about the church. It could be about our church. It could be, there's just all kinds of things that it could be, but under this broad idea that God wants us to know stuff. So he wrote us a book and he gave it to us. And so if you sit down and you open the Bible, anywhere in the whole Bible, and you're thinking, okay, what does God want me to know? That's a great place to start. And the second question, what does God want me to do? Is like flowing from that knowledge. So what does God want me to do? Why would, he, why would he put this in front of me? Yes, to know things, but also to push me to do things. And if you, if you want to go the personal route and say, God, would you, I want, what do you want me to do with this? I don't know what to do with this. You can go that route as well. And sometimes it's a call to action. Sometimes it's a call to prayer. Sometimes it's about uh, confession. Sometimes it's about gratitude, you know, just being thankful. Sometimes it's just being in awe of, of things, of him, 
of his redemption plan for us. I mean, sometimes it's just, it, it's, there's just all kinds of action points that we could take. It could be internal, it could, be, it could have its work its way outward. But if we're coming before God and we open up the Bible and we say, okay, this is, like, this is in front of me on purpose. He wants me to know something. He wants me to do something. And if that's the teachable, humble place we find ourselves in, then you can go anywhere in the Bible with those questions in mind, and you can engage the Scriptures in a very accurate way. And there are going to be times when you're going to come up against something that's going to be really, really cultural. It's not going to make a lot of sense. You know, you get into some parts of the, uh, especially like in the Psalms and stuff, and you're like, I don't understand. This makes no sense because it's poetry, you know, and it kind of requires interpretation or some of the historical things. You know, you can get bogged down in, in some, of the, some of the genealogies and those kinds of things. But see, God wants us to know something from the genealogies as well. He wants us to know something from some of the parts of, the hist- of our history that are maybe not that exciting and that kind of stuff. But he wants us to know something because he wants us to do something because he's made us the people who know and do and tie those things together. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to, and this is not like for the whole series through Mark, but for the first few weeks, I'm going to take that approach to like preaching from these texts that's going to be my primary way to prepare for what to bring here is, God, do, what do you want us to know? And what do you want us to do? And some of that is, like, it's going to help me understand more this premise that I've put in front of you by me doing it myself. And maybe it'll kind of show you some examples of things. And, and perhaps if, if personal Bible study is intimidating to you or something that's not very important to you or, or whatever, or you're just looking, like, Every anytime we survey the church, like for summer community groups or anything else, we're like, "What do you want to talk about? How to study the Bible? How to study the Bible?" It's always in there, and so maybe this will help as well. But when you go through a gospel, we're going to come into all these stories about Jesus doing these amazing things, and and Mark is more of a like I've seen it described a couple of times as a documentary. Like it doesn't have like sometimes it's like little snippets of stories, and other times it's like much more detailed and. And uh, it even begins with like John the Baptist, so we don't have to. We don't have to. We won't start with the genealogies and the birth narrative and that kind of stuff. We're like jumping right into the John the Baptist point where Jesus begins his public ministry. Um, so, why does God want us to know this? What does God want us to do with this? Uh, here will be an example of what it, of what applying those questions to this text could look like. And there are going to be things I'm going to say that that are, would also be on your list, but you're going to see things that I won't see. Things are going to stand out to you that didn't stand out to me. And that's a part of what is interesting to me about community groups this week, sharing those ideas, is there's going to be all kinds of things that you're like, I didn't even notice that part of the, of the story. I, can't, I never would have thought of that. It's so amazing. Everyone's gifts kind of collaborating together. Um, so let me, let me read the first eight verses and then kind of show you some of what I'm talking about. And I hope that you're tracking along with me. I know this is a little bit different of a sermon format. I'm aware of that. Um, And if you don't like it, then it'll be different next week, but not too different. So, Verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared 
baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, what does God want us to know? My approach tends to be more, more interactive. Like I would phrase the question, like I brought myself before the Lord and was like, Lord, what do you want me to know? Or really, it's more corporate. It's like, what do you want us to know? What do you want Living Hope Fellowship to know? If you were to ask it, it could be, what, what do you want me to know? It could, be, it could be less of a question and you just know, you know, God wants me to know something here. What, what could it be? Let me give you, I don't know, several examples of what might be. Just so you know the kinds of things that can just come out of the text and be these significant points, right? The first one. Um, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Well, one thing, and there's a, Jesus is the Son of God. Like That's one of the most disputed points in history. And it's one of the most important points of our faith that we hold on to. And so where does this come from? Have we fabricated this? No, it's, it's right there. Like That's a part of why Mark is, is writing this down. That's a, a part of the goal of the entire gospel of Mark, is to know that Jesus Christ really is, like he's legitimately the son of God, just like he said he was. And here's all of this proof. Here's this documentary of proof, trying to prove that point. So that might be something that he wants us to know. Um, it says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, son of God. And then he goes on to quote Isaiah. It's written in the prophet, uh, in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So the beginning of the, of the, of the good news about Jesus, like the this proclamation that he is the son of God who has come to redeem the world. It begins way before this point. He references Isaiah the the prophet. They began to speak of this redeemer to come, but this prophecy is talking about John the Baptist. The prophecies are saying, yes, this child will be born, and before he's born, a messenger is going to come through. And he's going to be like, like ringing the bell, getting everyone's attention so that you know, hey, uh, this is about to happen. It's not just going to like suddenly appear. It's, there's going to be a pre-runner. There's going to be someone that's going to come before him. And so the, the beginning of the gospel, it begins with the promises that are made a long, long time before it. That the good news about Jesus is rooted in promise. I think that's pretty awesome. Because what are we holding on to now? Promises. All right, we've, we're holding on to these promises that he is who he says he is, that he really has gone to prepare a place for us, that he really is coming again to get us. 
that he really does have a new heaven and a new earth that he is going to like establish here where there is no crying or pain or sin like all those everything that's broken is not going to be there and so um, the gospel itself is rooted in promises so that could be something that he wants us to know Um, verse 4 John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So, we see this tie between confession and repentance and forgiveness. Like all those are, are kind of wrapped up in each other. And that forgiveness is now like available. Like John's like preaching this, this gospel. Like he's preaching this thing that, hey, you can be forgiven. It involves confession and involves repentance it's this this complete changing of of the mind it it involves you like coming before god and saying i am like i'm i'm wrong like i need you i'm broken i need you to fix me i need you to set me right side up and and this is now like wide open to us that forgiveness is available and so perhaps that's another thing that god wants us to know yeah, forgiveness is open. It's going to involve confession. It's going to involve repentance. It's going to involve these deep like works of the heart and of the mind, but it is completely, completely available to us. So maybe that's one of the things he wants us to know. Uh, then I guess God wants us to know what John the Baptist looked like, because it says in verse 6, he was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know. That's, uh, verse 7. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. So you have all these people who are leaving the city of Jerusalem, and they're coming from all over this region. They're going to the Jordan River to be baptized with John, and he's like baptized like by John, and he's preaching this gospel that's saying, um, yeah, forgiveness is yours. You just have to confess and repent. And they're like, yes, I want that. And all these people are coming in, and John's message is, this is available to you, but look, it ain't me. I'm not the one. This beautiful picture of John refusing to be the Messiah. Think about how easy it would have been to get caught up in that hype. You know, the popularity that swells up. We see it all, I mean, you see it all over the world with, with uh, religious figures and all the different belief systems, you know. These gurus and religious teachers and preachers and, and like, who become like, I mean, globally famous for things. And all these folks are, and, and are flocking to them and all the attention is on them. And, and how many of them are refusing that versus them like, yes, you know, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And here's John the Baptist, the pre-runner, saying, no, this, the, this gospel you have come for is amazing, but it's, it's, I'm not the one tied to it. There's another one that's coming. And he is mightier, mightier than I. Maybe God wants us to look at John and, and think a couple of things. One of them is, uh, what humility. Like, what beautiful humility in John the Baptist. Um, 
how amazing that God would call this man and build him, equip him, may fearfully and wonderfully make him to be this person in the, in the big story I mean, like in the kingdom, in the history of the church, in, in the Jesus narrative of redemption, that he's like, hey, I want, I want this person to play this role. I'm going to make him fearfully and wonderfully. I'm going to communicate with him because I know I made him. And I'm going to call him, and he's going to want to play this really specific part in the story. Maybe one of the things God wants us to know is that he does this. You know, like he's writing this story and he's got all these people that he's fearfully and wonderfully made and all of them are playing significant roles. John happened to just be this particular role. But this is what God does is he uses like people, like plain old ordinary people. Maybe we know like the uniqueness of his attire to make us not get caught up in, in thinking that he was like, stunningly handsome and well-dressed and all this kind of stuff. Maybe we're supposed to be like, man, camel's hair, locusts, and everyone's flocking to him. That's because the gospel is, like, it's not about those things. It's not about any of that stuff. Like, people are like, I want forgiveness. I want to be united to God again. And he's like, yeah, this is, it's available to you. And John said yes to his calling and yes to the role that he played. And so perhaps God wants us to know, hey, this is, not a, this is not a freak occurrence. John the Baptist is just one of like millions and millions that I fearfully and wonderfully made to tell a story. Maybe that's part of what he wants us to know. One more, one more thing, or two more things real quick. Uh, verse 7, he says, uh, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Maybe God wants us to see this example of someone whose entire life was built around just like preparing the way for Jesus in the hearts and minds of the people he was around and pointing to him that the, the call to prepare the way for the Lord is maybe not as unique to John the Baptist as it may seem. Because when you start to look at the rest of the story, it makes sense that all he was, what he was doing here is the same thing you and I are called to do. We're preparing the way for Christ. In his second return, yes. In the lives of the people that you and I are interacting with every day, Yes. In the lives of, of your spouse, kids, roommates, friends, all that kind of things, yes, we're preparing the way, we're pointing to Jesus. That's, the, that's what we do. And so John is a great example, but he is not an exception. And so for you and I, perhaps God wants us to know, hey, this is, this is, this is what it looks like. You know, if you want to like, dress uniquely and have a very strange diet, then that's your, your call. But what he's doing here is the same thing that we're all called to. Um, and then he says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to know that there is a greater baptism that is coming. There is a greater immersion that is coming. That being baptized with water it, it is of tremendous value. 
And we should treasure that as the church, but it's the Holy Spirit. Like that's, that is, that's where the forgiveness comes. That's where the change comes. And John is forecasting. He's like, hey, look, you think, you think this baptism with water is great? You, you wait. There's nothing quite like what he is bringing. Now, those are just a couple of examples. You will see things that I won't see, and maybe I'll see things later on that I'm like, how did I not see that? Or... That's a part of the beauty of being able to devotionally sit down, open the Bible, and say, God, what? I know you want me to know something. Let's go for it. And so please don't, like, I, the conversation is, I believe, is ongoing with all of us of, being like, I really want, to, I want God to lead me. I just don't know what that looks like for me. Okay. He knows what it needs to look like, and that will be developed over time. And I think it's an important conversation to have with your friends, with your community group, with, with people where you're like, hey, I'm really trying to, I really want to be led down the path of righteousness for God's namesake. I'm just not always sure what that looks like. Uh, I can promise you this, though. The Bible will be a part of it. That's a part of why he's given us the word. And so you sit down, you say, all right, God wants me to know something. What could it be? And you could ask him, help me know what it is. The second question, what, do you, what, do you, what does God want me to do? Let me tell you three things real quick. One of them could be from this text to hold on to the promises that he's made. I'm not talking about like he's promised you something, some sort of like life situation thing or whatever and I'm talking about like the deep promises of God, the like return of Christ, the new earth, the I will never leave you or forsake you, the you are not a sinner, you are a saint, you know, the new identity, the exchange life. I'm talking about those deep promises that sometimes it's kind of hard to wonder about. I think a part of what he wants us to do from this is to hold on to those. There are a lot of people, listen, a lot of people missed the coming of the Messiah because they didn't hold on to this. Like God sent a pre-runner to ring the bell, to wake up the town, say, he's, he's coming. And a lot of people said, no, 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 no. So holding on to promises, like, God's a, like he is one who keeps them, all of them. And so that is one thing that we can do is we can look at this and say, wow, one more example of the fact that God makes a promise and he keeps a promise every time. Second thing, uh, I think he wants us to embrace the role that he has created us to play in the story, in the kingdom, in the church, in this church. To look at John the Baptist and say, well, I, I play a role. I'm gifted, you know, I have spiritual gifts, I have abilities, I have interests, I have, there are ways that, that I'm, I'm contributing to this, like the mission and vision of this global church and then this like local expression of that church that that the kingdom of God like you you play a role in the kingdom of God like so i think a part of what we are supposed to do is to look at John and say well he just said yes and i just want to say yes and maybe you need help figuring out what that looks like and that's a wh- part of why we're together we're all figuring stuff out but embracing that role and don't for a second think that you have no con- no contribution to the story that God's telling that's just, that's a lie. We have an enemy that wants us to believe that, to keep us stagnant and dormant so that we don't uh, like step into the story that God is telling through his church and through the cross. And uh, a lot of people 
I think a lot of people do that. And so perhaps from this story, we're able to say, um, in a lot of ways, I want to be like a John the Baptist type. And the third point is I think he wants us to do what John did, which is to take very seriously our call to prepare the way, to point people to Jesus, because there, there is nothing else that, that matters. You know, everything that we do in our lives, like Jesus is in the middle of, he's the reason we do all this stuff. He's the, he's the, he's the point, you know. And so whatever, when you're looking around your life and you're trying to figure out solutions to problems and you're trying to, you know, you're just trying to work through your life, like Jesus is at the bottom of all those things. Like he's, he's the source of all that. His wisdom, his solutions, his forgiveness, his freedom, um, his shepherding of, of our lives, like he is the point of all of it. And so we're preparing the way for the lives around us it's like the parable of the sower where they're talking about how do you want, you know, do you want plants to grow? You got to get the weeds and the rocks and stuff out. We're preparing the way people around us with kindness and hospitality and grace and love and, and truth and all those, those things. And so for us, I believe a part of what we're supposed to do with this is not leave John the Baptist as some sort of unique example in the history of the church, but to, to look at him more as like, as, as a, a role model I'm saying, yeah, like he did. He just prepared the way, pointed people to Jesus. That's all I need to do. And so we practice with one another. You know, you practice with, like if you're married, you practice with your spouse, like pointing them to Jesus and with your kids and, and, and the friendships that we have and you practice in community groups and we have that stuff going on and then you go to work or you go to school or you do whatever and you, you like put that into practice more and, and all those things are happening all around us and all we are is a bunch of John the Baptists. We might be dressed better and probably smell a little better, but for the most part, like, isn't he just doing what we're all supposed to do? Because Jesus, like, it's, it just comes down to him all the time. And so what does God want us to know? He wants us to know all kinds of stuff. And that's just eight verses in a whole gospel, in a whole book of all these things he wants us to know and things that he wants us to do with it. But every single thing that we, he wants us to know and every single thing he wants us to do is all rooted in Jesus and who he is. And so I don't know, I don't, you know, your engagement with the scriptures in a personal sense, um, I don't know where you are with that. You might be completely comfortable with, with it or maybe these two simple questions will be helpful. I don't really know. But the bottom line for our church and for our lives, like it's, it's a, we're a Jesus-driven people. Like he is all that matters to us. And he gives worth and matter to all the other things in life that matter to us. And John understood that. We are like coming into more and more of a deeper understanding of that. No matter how long you've walked with him, there's always greater depth to go to. And Jesus is just faithfully leading us. And so I'm hoping that he, uh, I believe that he will lead us little by little through this gospel and show us similar things and show us very different things and maybe shape us into a people who understand even more than we do in this moment what it means to follow our rabbi and to become like him and to be known by him and to know him. And so I hope this is in, in, encouraging to you. I hope that it's, it's a challenging deal. I know it's not a normal like sermon the way that I normally preach them, but uh, sort of casting a vision for where we're going next from a sermon standpoint, but... Um, when we respond in just a second, 
We're responding to this, uh, to all that God reveals here. And being the, the faithful one to make promises and to keep them and to offer forgiveness to us and to send a pre-runner so that we wouldn't miss it. And, so, and, and all these things just pointing back to this goodness of our God who's just amazing. So we'll take communion and uh, Chase will be serving communion tonight. And, and that in and of itself is, is an acknowledgement of, of, of re- seeing and receiving this goodness that Jesus offers to you. And so wherever this lands into your life, you know, that's yours to steward. Um, so we're going to take a few minutes and just kind of let all these things work together. We're going to chase will serve communion. We'll sing. If you want to come and pray down here, we'll have a few closing moments together. Uh, let's stand together. God, as we, uh, as we spend a few minutes responding in song and uh, at the table, perhaps in that list of things that um, that you want us to know. Maybe that list hits, maybe different points hit different people here. Maybe some need to be reminded that you are the son of God. Some that you are one who keeps your promises. Maybe it's about playing a specific role in the story or or forgiveness being available or or, um, just the fact, Jesus, that you are, I mean, you are it for us. That everything, everything finds its its meaning and its origin, and everything begins and ends with you, and Jesus. You know how distracted we can get in our lives, and um, some here tonight are probably just laser focused on you, and that's amazing. And some tonight maybe just needed that that reorientation to focus back on you to. Be reminded of your goodness to have these songs and scriptures and prayer. Uh, maybe just this whole environment tonight is, is what's needed before we are sent back out. As we respond in song and uh, at the table and in prayer, pray that you would just mix it all together, that we could walk away tonight with exactly what we need to be propelled back uh, into the world around us. God, thank you for John's example someone who just understood that it's it's all about you every bit of it pray that you would mix all this together to help us um, just embrace the same reality we love you and we pray all this in your name amen all right the table is open as we respond uh, together in prayer and in song